Good morning. Um, I think Pat set the scene very well there. Certainly, dun dun dun, if we've had the first four. Um, just like to sort of give a bit of background to this morning. Uh, Jeremy emailed me about two weeks ago, just over two weeks ago, and um, he said, Pat and you are due to lead today. If you let Pat lead, would you like to do the talk? And I emailed him back and I said, when you say talk, what do you mean talk? And he emailed me back and said, well, you know, can you do the preaching? And I thought, hmm. Um, <laughs> I prayed a lot and I also panicked a lot, um, especially when I read the passage. And I looked a bit further down the schedule and I thought, there's one there that says the ABC of Christmas. I'm sure I can do that one. But <laughs> no, it was going to be this one. Um, so I read the passage again, and then I prayed a lot, and uh, I listened to the person I listened to probably second most in my life, and that's Sarah. And she said to me, why don't you phone Hovan? You know, phone Hovan because he will help you. Um, and I intended to do that that evening. And as I got in, Hovan phoned me, which, you know, was, was amazing. And, and Hovan invited me to come and sort of spend some time with him. Um, and the panic turned to peace. I suddenly had this great feeling of peace. Um, and as I've gone through this, it's very similar to my faith journey, that I've realized along the way that I was being prepared for this. There are so many things that have resonated with me that have prepared me for this, this particular time. And it's one of those, I think they call it a JFK moment. You'll remember where you were, what time it was, and you'll remember it forever. Um, but that sort of theme coming through, um, listen, pray, strength, and hope. And I think I also developed a passion. Thank you to Hoven for that. I developed a passion because I wasn't sure how would I, I would actually sort of deal with this. Um, Anyway, should we pray? Lord, guide me and give me strength as I step out of the boat. May the words I speak be guided by you and resonate with those I share them with. In your name, amen. Somebody else encouraged me during the week. They left me a little note on my desk at school. Um, and I'd just like to read the passage that, uh, that I was left. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 1 to 6. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministries. And again, that gave me strength because I feel that I've been called to do this. And I know that, um, that when Simon was here, um, it was through his guidance and his leadership that, as I say, has brought me to this point. Certainly last week, for those of us that were here, Willem talked about peace and quiet. I think from, again, what Pat said this morning, suddenly the peace is, is going to be broken. 
Certainly last week, it was the calm before the storm. When he opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Can we have the first slide, please, John? So we have the angels there. The seven trumpets, Revelations 8 and 9, go on to detail some of what is necessary before God's kingdom comes. And as Pat said, it's not really very pleasant. But once the seventh trumpet is sound, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. When the seventh trumpet sounds, your prayers and the prayers of millions of Christians through the ages will be answered. But if the seventh trumpet is to sound, the six trumpets must sound first. And again, God lays out his plan of judgment on those who oppose him. I think Pat talked about the trumpets being used at the royal wedding. But trumpets have a rich tradition in the Old Testament. Predominantly, trumpets were used to call God's people together, to call people to repent, to announce judgment, to call to salvation, and to call the king's coronation. The seven trumpets of Revelation clearly announce judgment, God's judgment. But these judgments are not to be feared by God's faithful church. Only God's enemies need to be fearful. Can we have the second slide, please, John? So those are the trumpets sounding. Seven. Seven seems to be the number. You're one step ahead, John. Some people believe that it represents spiritual perfection, seven days of the week. Abraham's sevenfold blessings, the seven churches of Revelation that we've heard about, among many examples. The seven trumpets should be considered as God's voice to warn the world that God is holy and will judge man for his sin. It is a call for repentance. Each tragedy that we will see and disaster is a wake-up call for unbelievers to turn to the Lord and repent. These are continuous warning signs. If we follow him through his son, Jesus Christ, we have hope of eternal adoption and life in him. If we ignore these warnings, we stand to lose much, much more than earthly life. And that will be a judgment for all eternity. I think this is a concept that a lot of people find difficult to understand. Just going back to one of the uh, songs we sang today, Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever. It isn't a temporary thing. God is always calling men to repentance throughout history, and natural disasters are only one of his means of doing this. God shakes the nations to awake them out of their self-sufficiency and complacency. And boy, does he shake them. Uh, one of the things that I said right at the start is that I seem to have been prepared for this. In our home group, one of the things that we've been doing recently is looking at Moses and looking quite closely at the Old Testament. And there are lots of parallels here. What, one of the other parallels are the seven trumpets um, that were used during the fall of Jericho. Seven priests with seven trumpets circling Jericho, marched around the city for six days, and on the seventh day, they marched around it seven times with the priests blowing trumpets. 
They carry the Ark of the Covenant behind the trumpets, which signifies the presence of God. At the seventh time, around the police, uh, sorry, the priests blew long blasts on their trumpets. The people shouted, and the walls fell down. Again, that's sort of parallel with seven. But why were the seven trumpets sounded? The seven trumpets are in answer to the prayers of God's people. And this was seen earlier in Revelations, uh, verse eight, sorry, chapter 8, verse 3. The power of prayer, I never, I never quite got that until very, very recently. Never really understood the power of prayer. And it's only when you, you begin to realize the power of prayer that you pray more. Um, I have a colleague at school, and she was trying to have a baby. She's trying to have a baby for many, many years. And um, I said to her one day, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And I never thought I'd say that. And I said it to her. And she said, that would be great if you could do that. Please do. Um, she was going through a lot of fertility treatment at that time, and it wasn't successful. Um, and that was over the space of about two years. And then I cycled into school one day, and I got into school, and, and from somewhere, it's, I, I heard her name. And I, I sort of thought to myself, that, that was really weird that I heard this lady's name. And I'd not thought about why I'd prayed for a long time. And then about half an hour later, I sat in the office, and she walked in, closed the door, and she said, guess what? She said, I'm pregnant. And it's natural. It wasn't anything to do with the fertility treatment. And it was, it was such a mind-blowing moment. It really was amazing. So what we see next is in response to prayer, people's prayer. The trumpets are warnings to mankind. The first four trumpets that we heard today when Julie read affect the world. The last three affect man's spiritual life. So there are parallels with the Old Testament, the plagues of Egypt that we'll look at in a minute. And these plagues were also in answer to prayers of God's people. And because Pharaoh would not let God's people leave and worship him. In the same way, the trumpets can be viewed as warnings to those who persecute God's people, to let them go and worship God. Especially if they continue to persecute God's people then worse plagues will be for mankind. But the trumpets don't harm God's people. Similarly, in the Old Testament, the Passover, in which when the destroying angel saw the blood, he passed over the people of God and did not kill the firstborn. So these plagues that were sent by the seven trumpets didn't harm God's people. But even so, even after all of these disasters, many people still did not repent. They continued to worship demons and idols and other sins and murders, their magic art, sexual immorality and thefts. They still did not repent. Men love darkness rather than light. We have the next slide, please, John. I hope you can see that. Um, I was going to give you a test and see if you could sort of uh, remember all the ten plagues. But we've got the ten plagues there. You see them? So there was the, the water of the Nile, 
changed into blood, the plague of frogs, plague of gnats, the swarm of flies, plague on livestock, festering boils on men and animals, plague of hail, plague of locusts, and still, after all of this, Pharaoh didn't give in to God's wishes. It was only when the firstborn will die that he decided to do that. But that actually hardened his heart as well. So those are the ten, yeah. So let's look at the seven trumpets. The first trumpet, as we heard in the reading, there came hail and fire mixed with blood. So the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and hail and fire followed mingled with blood and they were thrown to the earth and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. Parallel with the Old Testament, Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. The second trumpet. Then the angel sounded the second trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Again, a parallel. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying to Aaron, take your rod and stretch out the hand over the waters of Egypt that they may become blood. The third trumpet a great star blazing like a torch. And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. You'd think people would start listening by now, wouldn't you? I read a lot, and um, a lot of people have written a lot of things about this passage. And um, I decided to try and keep it as simple as I could, rather than go into all of the different arguments. But the one thing that struck me is if I'd have been there at that time, I'd sat up, I, I would sit up and take notice. The fourth trumpet, then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Very similar to Moses in Egypt. Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. The fifth trumpet now. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke rose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. Again, one of the plagues. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt, for the locusts that they may come upon the, uh, upon the land of Egypt. The sixth trumpet. Then the sixth angel, uh, sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had a trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river of Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour 
and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of their sins. They did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their magic arts or their sexual immorality. They didn't repent, even after all of those six trumpets were blown. God pours out his wrath in judgment upon mankind because his desire is that they would repent of their sins and turn to him. But God's people weren't harmed by any of these trumpets, only those that wouldn't repent of their sins. So I thought, okay, that's what the Bible says, but what does that mean to us? What does it mean to us in, in Broadfield here? Because I think that's what we have to look at. How can we respond to the reading of these judgment trumpets? What can we do? If we are children of God, then let us thank him that these judgments will not befall us. That's the first thing, to actually thank him. If we are guilty of any of these sins, then let us be quick to repent and return to God. But I think more importantly, it should motivate us to share the good news of salvation with our unsaved loved ones so that they too can escape the wrath of God. We heard about the seal of God on our foreheads. How can we show that, especially now that we don't have a vicar? And I thought of certain ways. Some of you may have noticed that I've grown something under my nose here. Um, I'm not suggesting we all grow moustaches, okay? I'm not, not suggesting that at all. Or if we get some of those comedy ones. I'm not, not saying that we should. But, um, you know, it, it's one of the things that, that I talked about uh, to a colleague at school last year. Um, we have an Australian friend who in November, it's traditional in Australia to, to grow facial hair. Um, and they call it Movember. And the idea is that, that you basically get people talking to you because most of the time you don't have facial hair. So it's, well, why have you grown that? And, you know, um, and the idea is to raise awareness of, of uh, men's uh, illnesses, male illness, uh, illnesses such as sort of prostate cancer um, and, and mental health issues. And we've done it at school. And, um, you know, the kids are talking about it now probably because the members of staff they normally see now are covered with facial hair and look a bit like hobos that have been dragged in off the street. Um, it was very embarrassing the other night when we had a parents' evening, and you know, you sort of got some funny looks from parents. Uh, when I actually look quite clean-shaven compared to some people who've actually grown uh, full beards as well, and, and one person thought that, uh, well, they thought that he was um, gonna get a part-time job as Father Christmas. It was getting to that time of year, and he was growing this sort of white beard, and. They thought maybe that's what he's going to do during the school holidays. Um, so I'm not suggesting we all do that, but what, what I'm thinking of is, is how can we raise awareness? What can we do? Um, can we have the next slide, John, please? Can we, next one, please? And the next one. And I thought we could have a, a sort of advertising campaign. Get some of these sort of banners 
I'm only joking, so don't, don't worry. I can see some of you sat there looking and thinking, oh no, okay. Uh, and, and the next one, please. Do you think these, these would sort of fit outside the church? Yeah, this would draw people in. And the next one. And the final one. You've got to read that. You've got to, yeah, you've got to, you've got to look at that one. Um, and I left that one to last because I think actually that... Hello, John. That, that actually um, is something which, that we've been looking at today. God is perfect. Only we make mistakes. And unless we can repent and say we're sorry... Things won't change. Um, as I say, that, that was a joke. We're not going to have those signs. Don't worry. It's church warden. I wouldn't allow it, okay? Um, but again, it, it, you know, it's just amazing that I was sat thinking, what actually does it mean to us in Broadfield? And I saw the order of service at the end of uh, the service about two weeks ago, and I looked at the top. And we have seven trumpets already. Can I have the final slide, please, John? Those are our seven trumpets. That's what we stand for as a church. Biblical. Worshipping. We are still growing. Even, as I say, during this time of ignorance, we are still growing. Serving. We do serve. I've talked about praying. That we are committed. But more importantly, expectant. Those seven things are already here. But what we need to do is to make sure that we tell people about it. That we grow our moustaches. Well, but we actually live it in our lives so people can see the difference. How can we see the mark on our foreheads that isn't there unless we talk to people about it? We tell people that we do step out of the boat and that we make a difference. Let us pray. Lord God, continue to guide us so that all may clearly see that we are marked with the seal of God. Amen.